rebuilding job. Energy. You know, glad to see you. Hello. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. Tottenham Hotspur 2, Aston Villa 1 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium today. It is October 3rd. We are here to talk about that victory and more regarding Spurs. I've got Scott and Shuban along with me. Scott is at DSM Spurs, my friend, up there in the Pacific Northwest. How's it going, man? Good, man. We won a game today, so can't complain. Won a game and, you know... Didn't have to stress out too terribly much to do it, which was nice. Shuban is yep. at the real Shuban. He's with us as well from over in London. Shubes, how's it going, my friend? I'm all right, man. As uh, TC would say, to paraphrase, chat spurs you mate. It's always a good day. So, yeah. No question. It. No question about that. Uh, spurs came into this one, obviously, on the backs of three straight defeats in the league. And this being the, you know, the final game before another international break, it was kind of a massive game kind of an underratedly massive game if you ask me um let's start by talking about uh the lineup that they put out uh spurs started out with emerson romero dyer and Reggian in front of of course the captain hugo larice uh Hoybier and skip in that defensive midfield the attackers lucas and dombele son and kane shuban um was this something i mean this is this seemed to me and dakota in our group chat put this kind of very early on uh, that this seemed like almost like the most balanced lineup that Spurs had put out. It wasn't too, you know, it wasn't too attacking. It was also defensive enough with both Skip and Hoybier in the defensive midfield. What were your thoughts on the lineup when you first saw it? It is strange that we went with a more attacking lineup last week away to Arsenal and we played a more conservative approach, but I think it was the right approach. Um, Skip has got a decent passing game. He's not just a defensive midfielder, he can actually pass the ball. We obviously saw today Hoiberg's quality in terms of just with the ball as well as without. So yeah, I mean, it, it does, you know, I, I had no issue with it. I mean, I think it was good to see Emerson getting a start. Um, and he, you know, I, I think it's well known that I'm not a big fan of Doherty and I think Tanganga is just being forced out of like, play position. So, you know, I was happy to see him um, um, right back. Yeah, and the only question would be was, um, for me, I think it was unlucky on Joe Rodham because I, I didn't think he played that badly on, well, obviously, I guess Mora, but I think I do think he deserves his chance. I think he deserves his chance against Romero, and obviously we'll talk about Romero later, but I think he's, what, this is his sixth game. I don't know how much English he speaks, but Romero played a good game. So, yeah, I have no issue with it. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're also limited that we don't have Stephen Bergwijn. Um, obviously, I think... And I don't know if you trust Ben Davis at left back. I don't know. We've seen a lot of them. So, yeah, I think we did the best we could given what we have. It's interesting you mentioned Tanganga too. He wasn't actually even in the squad today, not even on the bench. Not sure if there's some kind of a knock there or if it was just a numbers game and and he figured Emerson would be enough along with um, the backup center backs that, that were on the bench. But, Scott, what were your thoughts on this 11? I thought, you know – coming into a game against Villa at home, you want to see them be attacking. And for the most part, they were able to do a little bit of attacking in this match. 
Um, but overall, I, I thought this was a, a perfectly fine lineup for for the squad that we have right now. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I was really concerned with when I saw the 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 lineup, which was about ten minutes into the match because I overslept a bit, but um, <laughs> was that midfield and and when I saw that Peh and Skip were both in the squad sitting deeper, I was very happy because at this point. With what we have from a mid attacking midfield perspective, that's really all we can do. Um, unfortunately, I think we're kind of back to that point where if one of those two is unavailable, we're in trouble, right? PH or skip. So I was really happy to see both of them in the lineup um, behind Tongi, who is going to have to be given a lot of breathing room if he's going to play and asked, be asked to be effective, which is exactly what skip and PH give you is breathing room if they're both tasked with sitting behind you. And the nice part about PEH when I say sitting back is he was certainly given the opportunities to kind of play that box to box role. Um, and he did that pretty well too. So he seems to be finding that balance. That was positive. Um, Dyer and Romero are starting to look like a pretty formidable partnership and I'm, I'm, you know, going to continue to keep my eye on that. I think, you know, there was, there was some criticism of Dyer, when we conceded and, and rightfully so, but he responded very well with two or three really, really good defensive plays and a really strong tackle in our box. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, Oh, and I do want to touch on Emerson too, who really, really looks like he's settling in and we all know he will. Right. But he had a great match today. Looked really good. Looked very confident. Um, and as all of us know very well, and pretty much anybody who listens to the show settling into the premier league is not an easy task. And he, he, he seems to be doing that. So, um, yeah, I, I was very happy with what I saw today. And all things considered, I think that's the best Nuno can do from a selection perspective. Um, and my next question is going to be, you know, how consistent is this 11? Does he start to, to believe in some of the depth he has? You know, we saw a lot of these guys play Thursday, and that's another conversation. But um, we needed a win today, and Nuno got it right. Let's start with uh, with Emerson. You mentioned him. I thought both Emerson and Romero looked really good on the right side. The left side, a little more suspect. You mentioned Dyer and, you know, kind of being somewhat at fault uh, for the goal. Um, well, mo- I'd say mostly at fault for the goal. You know, Reggion didn't have, I don't, I don't think he had his best game, but wasn't, wasn't an abomination out there. Um, you know, it's, it seems pretty set now that both Emerson and Reggian on in, in the fullback spots are the go-to guys. The center back pairing, I, I agree. Dyerson and or excuse me, Dyer and Romero um, does kind of seem like the go-to at this point. But I, the only thing about Romero that still concerns me is the aggressiveness, and it's one of those things that I think in the Premier League will be you know will be at times costly. He did pick up a yellow today. It was you know. I, I think he, he's one of those that you're going to have to count on, not in the same way that you count on Davis Sanchez picking up a, a penalty every five or six games, but, you know, because his is more out of um, lack of awareness or, 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 or losing a man or something. But with Romero's, it might be because of the aggressiveness and, the, and because of him going after guys in the Premier League. There's, there's just so many attacking players in the Premier League that, that know how to play into that and can make you pay for it. Um, so that's something that makes me a little bit nervous G- getting to the mid, the points you made about the midfield. It's interesting to me because it seems like when we play Hoybier and skip in those somewhat sitting roles and everybody's been calling for Hoybier to, to play more of that box box role, similar to what he did with Denmark. 
it, at times he can do that. And at times he simply cannot. And, and today was a time where he kind of was able to, we saw him get in, into position um, in that role and, and scored a really nice goal, which is not something that we're used to seeing out of, of Hoybier. He, he got into a position and really it was a nice finish, which is not something you would expect out of, of Hoybier. But what was interesting to me about today was, and you mentioned this Scott, allowing Ndombele to kind of float in front of them and play the, the pseudo number 10 role. Ndombele did not have his best game today, but I thought his effort looked like it was more there than in, in other matches where he maybe plays better, but doesn't seem like he's giving effort. So if you can marry those two things, you know, the effort and the, the actual quality of the game, I think you've got a really special player in there. It's just that those two things were, were, were kind of different today in the opposite way that they normally are. I would say the thing about Ndombele reminds me of Letitia. Supremely talented, but the effort with Letitia was never there. Now, I think there was a lot more effort from Ndombele, but was that a defensive quality? I don't know. For me, I'm still... I don't know. I mean, this is his, what, his third season now? Was it fourth manager now? And we are still saying what Changi and Ndombele will come up. Right. And uh, still, we still don't know... We haven't got what I call the known quality kind of thing. And that's a problem because ultimately you want someone in there so you can allow them. I've been watching, so we'll talk about Oliver Skip hopefully later, but Oliver Skip is someone I've been watching since he was about 17. I saw him in the, in the conference league. And the one thing I've noticed about him, he's reliable. He'll make mistakes, all players do. He's reliable. With me and Dombele, I don't know what Ndombe is going to turn up. And that's a real problem. If you are a manager and I'm like, this is the person who I'm entrusting to, to basically, you know, break the press, um, you know, cause the attacking thrust. And I don't know if he's going to turn up. He's going to be able to do what he's going to be effective. Now, I've got to give credit to Aston Villa. They were a solid <laughs> team. And, and let's face it, Aston Villa, they went away to United last week. Yeah, and got a win, and, and they a deserved win as well. So, yeah, I mean, Aston Villa. I mean, I know their promoter was it was it two and a half years ago, but they've really come along, and Dean Smith's done a really good job with them. So, I don't think we should we should definitely underestimate Aston Villa. They are a good, very good side, but at the same time, I just saw us like, I don't know, there's something, I don't know, there's something just missing. I just think, yeah, like inch here. Two, three inches there. But I would, you always say it's an inch there, inch there. For me, it's at four or five inches right now. And mm-hmm. we just need to, but I think if we can narrow that down, then narrow that margin down so that difference is only about an inch, then I can say, you know what, we've got a plan. It didn't quite come off, but I can see what we're trying to do. Right now, I just can't see a plan. And I think we've spoken about this before. Um, Mourinho, you know, his job was get the ball to Ken Sun and hope they're going to crap a miracle. And for me, it's the same thing. It's about get the ball to Kane or Sonny and hope they'll produce a miracle. Kane isn't really producing miracles unless she count a 25-minute hat-trick. You know, in the league, which is the bread and butter, he's not really producing that, that whatever he did last season. Now, he, he can speculate it was because of this, because of that. He isn't quite doing that. Because... And it, it, it does remind me, of, if you look at, say, Juve when they had Ronaldo yeah, a couple of years ago, it was just like, give the ball to Ronaldo, he's just going to, you know, 
rescue us from the fire. He said, well, I'm not out of the fire. And that's what it feels like consistently. But we'll be with Kane and Son. Give the ball to one of those two guys and they're going to pull us out of the fire. And I don't think that's a real plan. And man, you know, you need something a little bit more, um, I don't know, not complicated, but you, do, you need more of a plan than just to get, get it to those two and hope they'll, they'll do something. I, I think that's the kind of thing that comes with, with, with Nuno betting his system in more than, you know, I mean, Mourinho had 18 months to bed something in and, and that was certainly the, the plan under Mourinho was hoof it to Kane and son and, and hope for the best. And they, you know, we saw how that kind of crashed and burned, but um, you know, to, to your Tangi Dombele point about his consistency, I think we see that in a lot of footballers and, and I'm not saying it's not more prevalent with Tangi, but you know, Skip's a really good example of a consistent football player. Um, Sun is up and down. Kane is up and down. Deli Ali is certainly up and down uh, week to week. Uh, we get up and down performances from the center backs like Dyer or even from a player like Reggion all the time. So uh, the up and down nature, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think once you find a, t- a player that kind of gets into a groove for a little while, you know, we, we see this out of, I, I think we, we see it most prevalently out of sun at Spurs where he'll get into a groove of five or six games and, you know, score four or five goals in that span. And then he'll go cold for, for, for maybe seven or eight games and only score two in the, in that span. Um, so we see that out of a lot of players and it is kind of prevalent because, because Tangi is, is a guy that we've always kind of had the spotlight on and wanted to see him take that next leap. But Scott, what was your your thought on Tangi today? Because, I, I, like I said, I thought he didn't have as good of a performance, but I at least saw him with an effort and 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 running out there, which was nice. Yeah, I uh, I think Tangi. It's not so much that he had a poor game today. I think he was just quiet and you know didn't make much noise, which is pretty standard with him. And I think we expect more noise, right? And that's why it feels 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 that way. But I think. With Tongi, it still goes back to um, the technical piece of his game, I think. And I, I, I think it's very common for players who are very, very skilled and technical with the ball at their feet to come to England and struggle because that's not what the game is here, right? And right. if you if you the best attacking midfielder in the league, Kevin De Bruyne, you don't see him do flicks, tricks, nothing at ever, right? He just operates very efficiently. He's very good at, at seeing the, the field. His vision is phenomenal and his execution is phenomenal. He's just a very smart, standard footballer, right? But he's very talented and, and that's very well suited to the to the Premier League. And, and Tongi's just not. And so and I and I look at France and you'll hear things like, oh, Farmers League, blah, blah, blah. That's a fucking they're very talented in France. It's a good league, sure. right? But it's very much a league that's going to give you, it's going to afford you time and space to operate the way Tongi tends to operate. Um, so I just don't, I still, still pr- firmly believe that he's never going, going to, to light the premier leg on fire ever. It's just not suited to him. And I suspect he'll end up somewhere eventually. Um, but for me, it's, it all goes back to, you know, us asking him to be this attacking midfielder that we just really don't have. And I think even, I always talk about Erickson, right? The glory years under Poch, if we didn't have Erickson, it would look just like it looks now. Musa Dembele is great. He would progress the ball just fine. We have guys like Atongi that can do that now, but there wouldn't be anybody to connect everything. That was Erickson. We never even had an Erickson backup. Erickson just never got hurt by the grace of God, right? 
if Erickson wasn't ever around in the glory years under Pac, it would look just like it does now. There would be no no connector. There would be no ball progression. It would it would be midfield, stagnate, try to find Kane, don't quite get it there. Deli and Sun flanking him and nothing there in the middle. So we're going to continue to have this conversation because we don't have anyone that can play in that spot behind the striker in that, in that hole, in that gap, you know, whatever euphemism you want to use, we just don't have that. And I think we keep asking Tommy to be that. I just don't think he's going to ever be that. Right. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Weirdly enough, the guy that kind of has taken over that role of if he's missing things go to shit is actually Hyungman's son. Except, totally. and, and he can create things behind a striker, but he's much better out on the wing, and you don't want to lose his ability out there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a second and talk about Sun because he was man of the match for me today. I mean, I thought he was brilliant. He created everything on that second goal. And I think that's also really a really important thing to point out is that second goal you know, comes just four or five minutes after we concede to, 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 to have the game be level at one. And that's the kind of thing where in the past – Spurs would concede, and then all of a sudden it would be okay. Let's let's pack this thing in, and make sure we get a point. But no, Spurs were able to get a response and get a get a second goal right after that. And granted, they had the time to do it. Still in the game, they had twenty five minutes or so um, to do it, which is great. But they did it immediately, and then had to sit on the two one lead, which I thought was really important. And I'm not saying it's some big, you know change in in Spurs DNA or 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 what we've seen out of the last two years or something out of Spurs but I did think it was important and to to the point that Shuban made earlier we're talking about Aston Villa but Aston Villa is a team that entered this match above us on the table granted it's only six matches in at that point but Aston Villa is a good team and this is not a I think this is a win that a lot of of people will overlook as something that just should have happened and I think this was a win earned by Spurs. I think it's a really like credit to them for going out and grabbing the game and taking the three points rather than just sitting back and being happy with the point after they concede. Um, and Sun was was part of that brilliance and part of part of the reason that that happened. He sparked that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, Sun scored the winner. Sun is the guy that everybody's looking to now, and I think he's making a lot of people wonder if if we'll be all right without Harry Kane, which we know is eventually, you know, going to be a thing. So, um, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think it, we all kind of it, hope so at this point. It kind right? of, it kind of feels like we're playing a little bit without Harry Kane right now. Does it not? Uh-huh. Like, I mean, it does. He, he hasn't, he has not scored in the premier league. He, it, he, he's still doing some things. And I think he was maybe a bit unlucky today in some instances. I thought he played an okay game, but, um, it, it kind of does feel almost like, like, the mantle has been, you know, passed a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Sun Sun always plays great. I'm not I'm not saying there's times where he doesn't, but he's phenomenal when Kane's not around every single time. Like every year Kane goes down for two months and Sun bangs goals for fun that entire two months, right? There's something about there's something about an impact you know, that being the guy has on Sun's mentality to the positive, right? And he's such a humble guy. And I think he's a guy that just, he he craves being that person that people depend on, like probably as a person beyond football, right? And, and of course that comes into football, but 
for some reason, when when he knows that everything is going to have to run through him and we're depending on him to win football matches, he steps the fuck up. Um, and uh, yeah, again, I think, to, you know, to, we're probably at a point where he knows that's where we're at. Right. He sees what's happening with Kane. Um, there's not a person in the world that can convince me Kane's head still isn't turned. Right. Things aren't great at Spurs. Um but I also think when Harry Kane's available, you display him because of what he does. You know, he scores goals. So um, I don't think him getting minutes means that his head is turned back in the direction of Tottenham, right? Um, and I think Son understands that, and Son continues to perform. So yeah, I mean, we without Sonny, we'd be in trouble this season. Um, he's probably captured nine points on his own if you really think about it. When when I consider City, um, you know, the goal he scored against. Watford was whatever, but it still came off of his foot. And then today, so um, yeah, he's extremely important. And if you want a hot take, I'd give him the armband. Well, we'll have to see. You know, with all the comments from Hugo Lloris in the last few weeks, it it, it certainly seems like so- something weirds going on there, where he hasn't gotten a contract offer, and I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know what's happening in the grand scheme of things, but it certainly doesn't. Certainly feels a little weird, um, yeah. But you know, in the future, we'll have to see. But uh, Shubes, what did you think of of just Sun's performance today? Do you think there's kind of a, I don't know, a a, a torch passing going on? We, this is something we've kind of talked about in a little for for a little while now about you know a torch being passed between Sun and Kane and Kane perhaps moving on. But I just I thought Sun really sparked things today for the club and especially like I said after after the concession and and it goes 1-1 all of a sudden it's like okay Spurs didn't didn't lay down and quit Spurs stayed in this thing and went and got the second goal and really easily could have rolled over but didn't well I think we saw I think it was against um against Arsenal he scored that he scored the consolation goal and you saw like grab the ball he has let, let's just try this thing up there let's try and make something happen um, he is. We, we we forget that he actually is the South Korean national team captain, so that's something he has to do. I mean, that, I remember. Do you, remember, do you guys remember that video that one? But I think, I think it was the president of South Korea or something, and they'd lost the game, so they weren't going to progress, no matter how good good or bad their result was. The next the next game, they weren't going to progress. And you see him; he's, he's absolutely distraught. He takes takes it so, so personally, and I think. That can go either that can go either way, kind of thing. And sometimes, you know, it's something that he's doing. He is literally saying, "Look, give me the reins. I want to carry this team on my shoulders," kind of thing. And that's got to be thanked. I mean, he he had. I mean, let's face it. You've got clubs like you know Juventus, um, Barcelona, Real Madrid. They would love a hung son right now because wherever he goes, the South Korean fan base will follow him. Kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And he'd get him out of there. But he goes, no, do you know what? I want to stay here. I want to do something with Spurs. And that's something you've got to commend. I mean, I don't know. There's not, and sometimes I said, I remember, yeah, we always remember that. He, it didn't work out from his first season. He goes, I want to go home. I want to go back to Germany. It's not working out here. But he was convinced to stay and he made it work. And he has been a player that has made the difference. I mean, against City, you know, he's done that numerous times. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about what Scotty said about like foreign players coming over here. I do a bit like Paul England. It's like, what, what, what's that supposed to mean? Yeah, we can't have English, we can't have skillful players come to this country. But if you go say Van der Beek, who we were linked to roughly at the same time, was, was with you know, was it the whole the Celso, the 
Bruno Fernandez, was it um, Dombele, and there was those, it was, and yeah, those, it was those four players when about Eriksson was going to leave. Van der Beek's coming from Ajax. He, we saw how good he was against us, right? You know, and then you see him, and you say we want about Solskjaer or whatever. But he hasn't been able to make a single bit of difference for United at all. And Oli has had the ability not to trust him because he, can, he has such quality that he can bring on, kind of thing. I don't think we have that kind of luxury because we're Spurs. We don't have that same you know, squad depth. So it's interesting. I mean, I think my, obviously my fear would be, with, you know, with like, obviously now it's national break, it's Spurs, something's clearly going to go wrong, which is nothing to do with us. Something will go wrong because it's Spurs kind of thing. But you just hope, you know, you just hope that he comes back and there's no injuries. He's full of confidence. And hopefully, you know, whatever issues Harry Kane has, he gets them out because right now it does feel like we're carrying Kane a little bit. And for me, I mean, we spoke about this. I would, you know, if I could, if, if it's possible, I would literally put Kane forward. You lose the best part of him. But if you look at it, Kane is not, a, you know, so, so Kane's a traditional number nine. So obviously you can drift back and play as a 10. I think if you look at what Liverpool do with Firmino and Jota as well to an extent, they're not traditional number nines, but they you know, sometimes came, you know, some of them are go down the middle and none go to the wide, and they kind of operate in that weird trident when they kind of interchange positions. And I would love to see whether we could do that with our, you know, with our front three, you know, with our front three, and you know, give give heel some minutes in here and there because Kane, for whatever reason, whether it's his hangover from the Euros. Or whatever he didn't get his mood, something isn't right with him. Something yeah. isn't right. Yes, he yes he scored a hat trick against. Look, I don't I don't want to disrespect Slovenia or whatever, but <laughs> that isn't the most. Yeah, they're not. I'm sorry, they're not. No, they're you're not you're right. Team. So I I don't know, but like I said, it's international break, and the and I feel I mean right now, if I'm Nuno, literally, I'm hoping that you know what. It's kind of like you're hoping nothing bad happens to the Brazilian right backs. They don't bring up Emerson Royale. You know I mean, they can keep him there. He can settle in. He can learn a bit more English. He can play with his teammates. He can get a bit more settled in. You know, because I mean, I, I've always spoken about I would love to get to get called up, but now I'm thinking, no, don't get called up for England. Actually, I prefer to get called up for England rather than U21s because he's not going to play for England probably, but he'll be amongst a higher level kind of thing. English midfield, so you see how much he has to go further. But I know, I mean, I definitely think I looked at, you know, we showed some resolve. I mean, old Spurs, I mean, you saw, I mean, you know, you saw my comments. I thought, if Nina doesn't win this game, I honestly thought, you know, if Aston Villa went on to win, as they, if they did that last season, that's it. Nina's getting a sack. All defeats in a row. You know, we've seen it. I mean, I think that, is it Cisco Munoz? Munoz? He gets what for promoted. Yeah, that, and that's difficult challenges as it is. is. But because they're not doing well, Watford board has said, that's it, you're fired. Yeah? And that, well, I'm thinking, well, the guy's done his job. He got them promoted, and they're, they're struggling because, guess what? They're newly promoted. And, you know, but that's it, he's been fired. And that's it. Because well, that's the culture we live in, the football, man, football management culture we live in. But, you know, right now he's got a two-week, you know, grace. I mean, obviously... This time two years ago, was it this one two years ago? I think Scotty and Kat came over. Um, it was during it was like during the latter end of the international break where they were, Oshino was fired. 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. Game. Yeah. We're at. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I think, you know, we talk about culture and things like that. I think one interesting thing that I'm noticing about guys like Emerson, like Brian Heal, even guys who have been in the club, like a human son, like a Hoybier, Dyer, Romero, Regulon, these guys seem to be grateful for the opportunity to play football for Tottenham. Emerson's thrilled, right? We all see that. There's two fucking guys who I'm convinced are not grateful for their opportunities right now, and it's Kane and it's Tongi, and those are the two guys that we keep talking about, right? And so I don't know. I, I don't mean to pick on Tongi because I think he's he's improving, and I think he's rounding the corner in some sense as far as betting in goes, but we we're in a position as a club where we have to build around guys who want, who want to play for Spurs and who are grateful for the opportunity to do that. Skip massive one that I didn't list, right? Like these guys are who we're going to have to build around. And I think that's a big part of what we're doing right now. So I think it's promising. And I think, you know, what I'm getting is when you see a compounding win, like we, like we had today against, like you guys have said, a very good Aston Villa side who, they're, I said in the chat, their fullbacks are phenomenal. And that's a huge part of what is required to be a good team right now in, in, in the modern game is really good fullbacks, and they have them, right? So they're a good side, and we went out and we executed a good win. So a lot of promise behind that. You know, things don't look great, but we have a core group of guys who I think want to be here, and I think we're going to continue to build around that. Um, and it's about all we can ask for at the moment. No, it's it, there's there's no doubt about it, and and like you said, this was for me a really good win. Like I I, I think people will look back and kind of just scoff at oh two one at home over Villa, and say that sure Spurs should win a game like this, but this is something that we talked about you know in the, in the past few weeks and even months is is the expectations around this club, and mm-hmm. expecting Spurs to just go out and easily win a game like this is no more and that's not just a spurs thing that's a premier league thing we took you, you yeah. know you guys mentioned villa went out and beat uh united at old trafford last week and and these are the kinds of things that cannot be nothing can be givens anymore especially in mm-hmm. this league and especially with with tottenham hotspur nothing is a given and this is the kind of win that needed to be go out and earned and taken really and it was which is i Dude. think really promising and really important especially going into an international break yeah, that, you make a great point too because I think we look at we look at a lot of shifts that are happening right now, and this you know, call me Premier League bias, whatever. Sure, I watch way more Premier League than any other league, right? But we look at other leagues. I'll go to Spain first. I don't really know who's good in that league anymore. Barcelona right. certainly isn't. Right. Real Madrid is pretty average at the moment. I mean, they they and they Madrid lost again bias. today, I believe. Yeah, so you know they field three or four pretty talented players in Madrid, and that's it. So it's a long shot or long cry from three years ago when they had the best team on the planet, right? Um, then I go up to Germany. Bayern's pretty fucking good. Like that's it, right? And, and guess what? And guess what? Bayern lost today two one to Frankfurt. So did like, they? See, yeah. yeah. And and you know, Italy, same thing, right? They're, that's really leveling out. So what I'm saying is, to your point, the Premier League. It's no longer biased. It's no longer blah, blah, blah to say it's easily the best league in the world by far and away. I mean, at this point, I would say five through like 12 are competing against one another. You could even say like five through like 15 are competing with one another. One through four, 
on another fucking plane, those four will continue to win the Champions League over and over and over. Like, mark my words on that on wax right now. The Premier League top four will continue to win the Champions League over and over and over. And five through 15 are going to compete with one another for a long fucking time until somebody can break that mold. Um, but it's a very talented league. And to your point, Aston Villa is a very talented team, regardless of what people want to think, right? Yeah, and another example of, uh, you know, to your point, PSG don't win the French League last year, and, mm-hmm. and they turn around and lose today to Rennes, which Spurs drew with a few weeks ago in the Europa Conference League. So, and, mm-hmm. you know, Mauricio Pochettino's job is certainly being questioned at this point because he's got all those superstars in Paris, and it is not going – I mean, it's going right. – it's, it's still going pretty well, but when you lose a game – to Ren, think people are going to question what you're doing. So, well, here's the thing: like, I, I, I want Nuno to be successful, and I think that today shows that he can be. Um, but if Pochettino becomes available, goodbye, Nuno. And thank <laughs> you for your services. Um, and and now, in all seriousness, if I'm PSG and I look at that wealth of talent that I have. I don't know if I think Poch is the best person to be leading that. And I, that's with all due respect to Pochettino. Like he's not that guy. He's not, he's not the guy to come in and manage a team of superstars. He's the guy to get a group of pretty fucking good players to bond around a common goal. Um, and, and managers like that usually rely on some very talented people to their right and left. Like Mauricio Pochettino does, right? He's a motivator. He's somebody that will get you to buy in and his staff handles the tactics of what's happening on the field. I firmly believe that, right? So um, I don't think he's a good fit for PSG. And come back to Spurs, baby. <laughs> there, are, there are plenty of think pieces out there right now saying uh, similar, if not the exact same thing that you just said, Scott. It, 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 the questions are, are certainly being asked and, and will continue to be. Um, but to your, to your point the betting in that, that Nuno is continuing to do and the consistent, I, I think today showed for Nuno that he can be successful at Spurs. It's a matter of finding that thing that Shuban was looking for earlier in a player like Tangi and Damle, and that's the consistency. And if Spurs can start to get a little bit of consistency, and that's not to say that they're going to win every game, but find a little bit of consistency, get yourself on a little bit of a run, even if you're not picking up three points at week in and week out, you still want to be able to find some consistency. And that's just something that's so hard to do. And, um, you know, like you said, Nuno can do it. It's today showed he can do it. It's a matter of whether he can do it on a week in and week out basis. Luckily for Spurs, they've got a little bit of a, a, a breathing room here. They don't play another game for two weeks. It's an international break. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about that and talk about what will go, what will be going on. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back into the Tottenham Depot. Andrew, Scott, and Shuban here along with you. And, you know, guys, 
for for a Tottenham team in crisis, when you look at the Premier League table after seven matches, and and as we reach the second international break of the season, uh, Spurs are you know on twelve points through seven matches, uh, level on points with Brentford, which is kind of weird. Uh, a point above West Ham, two points above Arsenal. Uh, they are a full four points above Leicester, uh, three points above Wolves. You know they're they're looking it up at quite a few teams, but they're also looking down at quite a few. And and for a team that had lost three straight allowing three goals in each of those um not everything is terrible right now when you when you even though it feels like it's pretty grim and pretty bad and that's why i really you know i emphasized it um earlier on in the pod but i really thought that this game was super important because if you went into an international break and had to sit for 14 days on four straight defeats in the league and you know having having fallen that far from the top all the way down to wherever they would have fallen um, that would have been really, really difficult to deal with, but you know, now it's like, okay, Spurs are, you know, they're in the mix and they're at least keeping themselves afloat. It's four wins from seven, three defeats, but it, it feels like it could be a, a whole hell of a lot worse. Excellent. Excellent time for you to bring that up because I just shared a little, ch- a, a tweet in the chat. Um, my, uh, my, my pro club's buddy, Perchy. He's not on, not on Job J with me, but um, used to play some pro clubs with him. He's over in the UK at the Perchy. Excellent tweet. Spurs have been shit, eighth place. Arsenal are back, eleventh place. West Ham are flying, ninth place. So we do sit above Arsenal and West Ham, and we are the worst team in the league, which I have right. said. I I will I will admit of that, right? But, um, <laughs> but we are in eighth place. Um, you know, a bit of a fall from where we sat three weeks after the season started, right? But uh, but it's early, and I would take eighth place. And um, I'm just going to say it. If we can continue to perform like we did today, European places are on, right? It's a long season, but if we can yeah. continue to get those types of performances that we saw today, things can turn pretty quickly. And, and you know, we said it on the show, guys. Yeah, shit, shit doesn't look great. But we do have a lot of key places, key pieces in place in a few tweaks, you know, could put us right back where we need to be. And today's performance certainly gives some justification to that idea. So, Well, and it goes to that expectations thing that we talked about. Like, you just have to know that no match is easy. And I mean, you look at Spurs in a couple of weeks, they're going to face a Newcastle team that currently sits in 19th position on three points. They have three draws and four defeats. Um and that's going to be a really tough match for them. Like it just is, that's the way that it goes in the premier league. And yep. I'm not going to guarantee that Spurs are going to, you know, go up North and, and handle a Newcastle team that looks, you know, DOA. Uh, it's just not, not how it, how it's going to be and not how it should be. That game will make me really nervous. And I'm not going to say a point would be a success, but you go into that game and you say, all right, if you can get a point on the road at Newcastle, all right, you take that and you run with it in this league at this point. Yeah. For sure. I mean, well, I, and I think that's indicative of where we are as a club. If you, if you, if you take that point, it's a good point. If you want to compete for champions league, you damn well take three points from that match. But but I'm with you. Of course. But at this point we're, we're, we're looking at Spurs as a club that, and again, it is so damn early. I mean, Shuban was making this point in the break. It's the third of October. We're seven matches in. 31 to go in the league. There's so much football to be played this year. 
but it it's still just like you know i i hate even really looking at the table this early so i don't know why i've talked about it so much i normally don't try to i normally don't try to look in, at the table until like thanksgiving uh, at the earliest so i don't know it's just it's one of those that's because the car coma yeah. the car coma you're like so like out of it like all i can look at now is the table right yeah yeah we just get caught <laughs> up in it so but i am i am looking forward to the international break and and scott you mentioned this like you know the international break is kind of a breather and it's nice to go in on a win. And I don't know. I'm excited to have a little bit of, not that I need space away from Spurs, but every once in a while, you just need a little bit of space away from Spurs, right? Oh God, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> I've also, it's a weird one. The international break is always a bit of a weird one because for me, it's like, obviously because I'm not watching England. I'm like hoping Hurricane doesn't get injured. I'm hoping not a place to get injured. And I'm, Sticking like juju dolls, sticking pins in my juju dolls, kind of thing for everyone else. But um, it's it's a bit of a weird one because in terms of we're just so anticlimactic, it's just so different from regular football. I mean, obviously, I think I think the Americans, you guys won um, some tournament, right? I don't know. You guys were talking about it back in March, a couple of months ago. Did you guys win something? <laughs> we, won, we won a couple of tournaments over the summer. You can tell how much how, how much ripple it had across across the ocean. Of course, not at all. Which is which is exactly <laughs> the point that I've tried to make that they don't really matter. But everyone else in the group will tell me that I'm I'm a you know U.S. men's national team hating asshole for saying that. So, well, I, I, no, I, mean, I, I wasn't sure, but from what I know is you've got. Um, I mean, I've, I've looked at it. I mean, for me, for me, it's always interesting because I'm thinking like I was at Gio Reyna. I'm like, wait, Claudio Reyna's kid is playing really well. <laughs> you know what I'm yes. When I, when I look at that, I'm like, I'm like really? Friday Rain's kid? But, um, and obviously, I don't know what's happening with what was the guy doing at Chelsea? What his name Pulisic. Pulisic, yeah. Yeah, he isn't, yeah, we never know because it's really weird. Now we talk about how disappointed we are with Tony and Dombele. Well, Real Madrid signed Eden Hazard for 140 million pounds. Okay. Right. I don't think I've seen anything of him. Because first yeah. of all, you had the yeah. pandemic, he was overweight, everything. I've never seen anything from him. And now they're massively in. Well, not massively in debt. They're not doing anything. Yeah, you. Thought, you I mean, I'm going to talk about you know disappointments. Look at Barcelona. I mean, they signed Coutinho, Mano Dembele. They, I don't, Griezmann, anyone, and none of them worked out. So it's kind of like it's a very thing. I mean, like, we talk about how competitive league are. I'm not mean, so know that literally. I was watching match today yesterday. Southampton, all these highlights, but they seem to look as if they gave Chelsea a good a good game. So only when Ward Prayers was sent off. And it was a, it was a it was a complete valid sense off turning off, but yeah, as soon as he went off, ten down ten men, Chelsea were able to share quality through. But for me, I thought like I said I thought like Chelsea are trying to make me look stupid because I was saying oh they're going to be the invincibles, they look really good, everything's working, they're defensively really solid, they're not conceding, everything. Everyone looks like everyone looks fantastic, but they're not. Guys, as you said, we're only seven games in the season. No team has really established on this. You, yeah, obviously there was a big hullabaloo when. Was it they signed, you know, United San Ronaldo and everyone's very excited about that. But again, it hasn't really worked out. It's not really, you know, yes, he had that first amazing game, really re-debut. But since then, has it really, have they really gone on and really moved on? No, they haven't well, really. I mean, I mean, they've been good, don't get me wrong. But I mean, you look at, you mentioned Chelsea. Chelsea's a team that has dropped points to two teams so far this season. Those teams are Liverpool and City, the teams that are right behind them in the chase. You know, Liverpool has yet to lose a game this year. Uh, they've got four wins and three draws. United has been good. United's only lost the one match, and that was the one we spoke about earlier to Villa last week. 
They've got four wins and two draws, same record for, for city. So, I mean, those four are kind of, and Scott mentioned this, they are kind of in a class above, even though teams like Everton and Brighton and, and even Brentford and Tottenham are, are kind of right on the heels of those teams in, in terms of points. It just doesn't seem like they're on the heels of those teams in terms of play and in terms of quality. So, but Chelsea, like you mentioned, Chelsea is being really, they are really, really fucking good. They also lost a match midweek in the Champions League to Juventus that they, you know, teams that are going to dominate in the Premier League probably shouldn't go lose to to Juventus at this point because Juventus is not a team that, uh, you know, they're still a very good club. Don't get me wrong. I'm not not here to slight Juventus, but um, Chelsea are are better than them on paper and, and should go and beat them, but or at least get a result. Uh, and they didn't. So these things happen. And and like you said, it's early in the season and it gives, it's nice because it gives all of us something to talk about, especially during an international break. And while there's, you know, uh, you know, international matches being played and world cup qualifiers being played, we can kind of go back to these things and kind of look ahead to see who we think will, will emerge and how we think all of this will develop. Um, but it's just, you know, no one has, has really, I don't know that we're going to see, someone jump ahead of the pack and clinch the premier league with two or three weeks to go this season. It really, this is one of those that between two, three, maybe even all four of those teams could come down to the, the final, you know, match week or two. I mean, there's a long way to go to decide that obviously, and, and injuries will happen and form form dips will happen, but these are four teams that are really, really good. And it seems like the rest of that, you know, five through 20, really five through probably 12 to 15 are going to be chasing, you know, that, that fifth spot, the fifth and sixth spots, if you will, um, to try and get into Europe. Well, I'll go ahead, Chivo. I was saying, we all speak about like managers and they thought, I mean, today, like you saw David Moyes lose to Brentford. Everyone's been waxing on lyrical how good David Moyes has been. They've improved their strategy. They're not getting just people there just to, Coming for the money, they've got they've got a plan, blah blah blah. Like I said, I don't. As annoying as it, as it is, because you obviously I want to go to Spurs and like have them extend to win every one game, but I know they're not going to. And that's what that's what we sign up for. We sign up for the tension, like oh they could they could lose this game. You know, if it was going to be a cakewalk, if it's going to be like oh they're going to go out and they're going to bash this team, and it's like it's great, but it's, 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 it becomes meaningless if it's not a meaningful competition. And that's why, I've, I mean, I, I, I'm, maybe I'm biased because I'm English, but that's why I think the Premier League is the best league in the world because yep. right now there is a lot of tension. I mean, there, there's tension in, say, the Spanish league, but that's, that's, that's more because Real Madrid and Barcelona are actual basket cases. Juventus are, are, are a similar way. But it, it doesn't say that much for one team. I mean, we saw what happened with Leicester. They weren't really, you know, they, they signed a manager who nobody wanted, you know, they made the right signing. He came the right couple of signings, and it just came together. So I'm not saying that'll be us or any other team, but look at look at was it was it Brighton? They're above us, aren't they? They're up four, they are. Four above. And everyone's like going, "Oh, we well, don't Graham Potter. He's not really a big name manager. You know, what's he going to do?" But it's about basically is their buy-in. I look at I look at say Liverpool, and they're buying from obviously Klopp, but right now. He hasn't been able to strengthen that squad the way he wanted to. He brought in Jota last season, but he hasn't really been able to keep, like, obviously, he wasn't able to keep Ronaldum, obviously, PSG offered a ton of money, or, and plus more years. 
And so he hasn't, he's had to really coach and he's had to go back to his roots of coaching. Now, yes, Salah and, um, you know, Maida, I'm not, I, I was saying Maida didn't have that great guy game today either, but he was decent. But I mean, Salah was the brilliant goal, by the way. If you watch Master Day 2 today, that is, they're going to set that goal and it's going to be a joy to watch. And I think that's what I, I think, I don't know, I mean, when I was doing the, when I was doing the group chat, I was like, oh, I'm getting so bored of Spurs. I'm like, no, actually, it's a good thing that I'm kind of bored of Spurs in some respect because I, I, I think we took success for granted. Under Potch, we were good. We knew what we were going to do. And we were always going to do this, 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 this. And now that tension's back. So in a weird way, I have my Spurs back in, in the way I never dreamed or hoped or wanted. <laughs> Shoot, that's a super, super excellent point. That the the fact that Spurs, and I, this is a broad, broad generalization, but Spurs fans have really taken this team's success in the past five to six years for granted because now you're in it. You're in the slog of fighting and scratching and clawing for every single fucking point in the Premier League. I, I something I just looked up, which is kind of interesting. And you mentioned a couple of teams you mentioned in there: Brentford and Brighton. Brentford, I'll remind you, are a newly promoted team. And it kind of seems like, and again, this is really early, but it kind of seems like they might be pulling what Wolves did a few years ago, getting promoted and being one of those teams that is like in the top half of the table and pushing for a European place. They sit seventh right now on 12 points, level on points with Tottenham, but better on goal difference. They've lost one match this season, and that match was to Brighton. So Brighton are the team just above them on the table in six, two points, two points clear. And Brighton have also only lost one match this season. And that match was to Everton, which is the team just above them on the table. So mm-hmm. the mar- the margins are so, so incredibly small. Everton, Brighton, Brentford, all right there kind of kind of lined up. Um, and Everton has also only lost one match this season. That was to Aston Villa a couple of weeks yeah. ago, a three nil. So Villa's right there. You know, it's like these these middle table teams and Spurs are in this mix. I I hate to call them; they're not a mid table club. They're a big club, but in terms of the competitiveness right now, they have to get in and mix it up with teams like Villa, Everton, you know, Brighton, even Brentford. West Ham, Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, all these clubs. Palace are in that mix. Leeds will, will probably be in that mix at some point or another. I mean, all of these teams are teams that are going to be scratching and clawing for every single point this year. And I'm sorry. like it, I know everybody wants just a guaranteed top four place, but that's fucking exciting to have that on the table, to have a, 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 a fight. And then when you do go and you open the season with a 1-0 over City, that becomes an even bigger deal because you got three points off city. Like that's really, really, really. I'm cool. just going to say, I, I'm glad you say that. And it's perfect, perfect chance for me to, to insert myself because I, I think after having this conversation, you have to look at the three points we took against city and the six points we took. Well, I'll say three points we took from wolves and maybe the points from Watford, but definitely the points from wolves are good yeah. points on the road. Really at the Molyneux. Really good points. If had we lost those first two games, it would be bleak right now. So we went and we captured six really important points to start the season. And I think we have to give credit to Nuno as as harsh as I've been on him, you know, credit to Nuno for 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 being able to do that. And shit, after City, we were probably all on the show thinking, wow, we just outclassed City. And that was exciting, right? And think we felt pretty good. Um, so football can change quickly. I think the Shivon's point too. I want to jump in on that because it's 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 spot on. I think I said last week, and 
God, it might have been on a different show that will remain unnamed. But <laughs> and I apologize, but I did say that there was a time where competing for top four was very, very exciting. And I'm I'm okay being back there. Honestly, dead serious. When we were competing for the Premier League two seasons in a row, my wife at Africa Spurs, you know, bigger yiddo than I am. We 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 would be at the dinner on a Sunday night and Spurs had drop points in the title race like we'd drawn it home to somebody say this is all hypothetical right but this definitely happened and we're out to dinner and make the comment i the the match is hypothetical this conversation is not right we're at dinner and i say this is this would be a perfect day if spurs wouldn't have dropped points this morning like we were at this beautiful dinner celebrating like her promotion or something right and all i could think about was the two points we had dropped because i wanted the title so fucking bad right and like her and I would be like, it would ruin our days when we drop points in those title race years, you know, like literally fucking ruin my day. And now competing for top four, like Shivon said, just allows me to get up, get my heart racing a little bit. The Tottenham's playing. And should we drop a couple points? Like, eh, it's a long season, you know, and, and if we get Europa League, so be it. And, and I can live there. Right. So, um, yeah, great point, Shivon. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, when do you know when people talk about what trophies have you won? I mean, you heard Aston Villa saying, "Oh, champions of Europe," and everything that. What they don't mention is three years after being becoming European champions, they got relegated. They they, they never mention that bit, do, do they? They're the, ones, they're the ones that have been relegated twice, or yeah, as far as I can remember, twice in the last in my not in my lifetime, but you know, in terms of in my memory anyway. And. For me, I've always said like my trophies. I mean, also, I mean, obviously you can't see them now. We're not we're no longer a video format, but you guys can see it. Those are my trophies. I've got six of them right there, and I've got a whole other bunch, you know, that have been cleaned out, and I've got another bunch to come as well. My trophies are the memories I've made. I mean, oh, obviously this this won't mean anything to obviously. I don't think it's made, I don't I don't know if Andrew, maybe I mentioned this to Andrew, but I don't know if Steph or Joey K ever mentioned me taking them to this this greasy spoon, but. That grease spin has now reopened its doors in, in, a, in a weird kind of way. And when I told Steph that, he was like, oh, my God, he was ecstatic. It yeah. was as if we signed, not as if we signed Messi, but it was close, you know? Yeah. Because people forget, football, you know what? We have, was it, nine, how, how many teams, professional teams? We have 90 professional teams, probably even more. Only one of them is going to win. And we've got basically one of them that's basically been used as a sports-watching front for basically a slave-owning country. <laughs> I'm sorry, but whenever Man City give me shit, I said, do you know what? Give me shit. You're owned by a bunch of slave owners. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's what you are. You're, 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 tax dodger, slave owner. Hmm. What would I rather be? You know? Kind of thing. So that, and, and you know what? For me, football has kind of lost some of its joy. I mean, like I said, and to, I'm, obviously I have to show off now, but, as TC said, and TC says, and he says it every single time we do we, we do a pod. Anytime you get to get on, get on and chat with your mates, and chat with your mates about something that you love, you hate, but it makes you feel something. Do you know what I mean? And it makes you feel either good, bad, whatever, but you feel something. And for you guys, especially, I mean, like this is like you, you, I, mean, I don't know what time you guys got up this morning. I know Scotty had a bit of <laughs> trouble getting out of bed this morning, but. You know, you guys got up super early. Some of you guys can make stuff up. Some of you guys couldn't. But, you know, I mean, my, my friend Kale's, uh, shout out to Columbus Spurs, by the way. Beautiful pub that they've got, by the way. And if they're my highest Spurs, apologies to Akron, Cincinnati, and I forgot the other one. I have no idea. 
<laughs> you're going to meet somewhere, meet in their pub because it looks massive. But that's the first one it was about. Football is always, I mean, I think Scotty, remember what I said to you, said to you when, you when you came over and Cat almost got arrested that game? Do you remember that one? Football's about oh, yes. being together with your mate. Very much. Yep. And that's 100%. what it's all about. And that's what I think we've lost, we've lost, we've lost sight of. Because I, we, I, yeah, we I got, totally agree we, with you. We, 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 we saw the bling bling. We saw the chance of getting the silverware. And we saw the bling. And I don't know, Scott's the rapper, not me, but something about bling and something. Don't chase the bling. <laughs> Scott is the rapper here, not me. So, yeah. We, we still want to strive for that, obviously. We want the club to strive for those things. But at the same time, you're right, Shuban. We embrace the, you know, the camaraderie that that this sport brings us, and and the the love that we all share for 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 something to unify for something, and that's that's kind of beautiful and and kind of great to me. Um, you know, maybe Tottenham should should change the slogan from "To Dare Is to Do" to "We'll Make You Feel Something," because that's certainly whether good or bad, they're gonna make you feel something. It's a it's a beautiful. Bumped by Prince Andrew. <laughs> oh, I did not say that. I'm gonna get MI5 are gonna be hunting you down right now. <laughs> <laughs> guys, this was a pleasure. Uh we get to go into an international break on three points, which is always fun. Uh I enjoy that, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh we'll be back next week to talk uh something. I don't know. We'll 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 wrap about something Spurs wise. We'll we'll figure it out when when we come about. Uh hit us up at Tottenham Depot on Twitter and uh, let us know what you want to hear about. We could do a, we could do a Q and a, we could do a, a non football pod, talk about anything. Um, but we'll probably, we'll probably fit in a little bit of Spurs chat and a little bit of international break chat. And look ahead to say, where this is going. I want to say the NFL, your NFL is coming. I have no idea who's coming, but one of the things I was, I was driving, there's a big That's true. Yeah. Of NFL, NFL, NFL. So Hopefully, I mean, I've, I'll be supposed to this before. I'd have no idea which whose NFL team's coming up. I'm so sorry. That's how aware I am. Yeah. But I think maybe what we can do is say, hopefully we'll be able to talk to some of the clubs that are coming over. And if, say, guys from those clubs are going to be flying over to England, then hopefully, you know, I'll be able to link up with them, hopefully. And um, hopefully, like I said, it'll be you know, interesting about their Spurs journey because now their Spurs journey kind of combines with their NFL journey. Yeah, no question. Spurs will be hosting um, an NFL game next week, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm looking it up right now. I'm, I'm, stall <laughs> I'm stalling for time, but I believe that it's between uh, the Jets and Falcons, the New York Jets and Atlanta Falcons. Yes, that's right. The Tottenham Hotspur Stadium next weekend hosts the Jets and the Falcons. The the uh, the currently 0-3 Jets, who are trying like hell to get their first win today uh, as we as we speak, and the Falcons are, are playing as well, so uh, we'll we'll see how that goes, and that'll be. It's always fun to kind of see Tottenham hosting these other events. Of course, they hosted the boxing match uh, a few weeks ago, and and we'll get to host some NFL games here in the near future as well. But we'll be back to talk about all the all the fun stuff regarding Spurs and uh, and otherwise. Uh, like I said, hit Shuban up at the real Shuban. Uh, Scott is at DSM Spurs. I can be found on Twitter at a Stetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, until next week, enjoy your international break. We will talk to you then. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>